Hey, this is Sean Tepper, the host of Payback Time, an approachable and transparent podcast on financial independence. I'd like to bring on guests who hear authentic stories while giving you actionable takeaways you can use today. Let's go. My next guest spent three years in corporate America and decided this is enough for me. He found a quote that said seven out of 10 millionaires build their wealth with real estate. Building wealth was one motivation, but his true North Star was creating passive income so he could spend more time with his family. In this episode, we talk about the build to rent model, some of the benefits of this model, and how investors can start creating passive income with less upfront capital. Please welcome Jim Shields. Jim, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Sean. Good to be here. Absolutely. Thanks for joining me. So why don't you kick us off and tell us about your background? Yeah, I mean, just like a lot of people out there, I got out of college and went into corporate America and something I really didn't enjoy. And for two years, I really suffered. And for the third year, I was suffering and searching. And I fell kind of sideways into real estate investing because it made sense to me. There was tangibility and I read a stat that said seven out of 10 millionaires in the US had made their money in real estate. And I liked those odds and the flexibility. So I started a journey into real estate investing um, many years ago, 24 years ago. Wow, it's even weird to say that uh, with ups and downs and survived the 08 meltdown and then actually got into one of what's now considered one of the most lucrative real estate investing niches, which is called Build to Rent. Um, and it's uh, now a company where I help people build rental portfolios, new construction properties. We work with almost a thousand investors now and uh, and been able to help retire uh, or semi-retire several other people and their families along with my own, which has been a pretty exciting quest. Got it. We'll dive into this uh, build to rent model here in a second. Uh, it's actually a new concept I have not heard on this show, so this will be good to dive into. Um, but let's just back up a second and talk about your transition points. So I heard two to three years in corporate America. Um, did you work for corporations anytime after? Did you kind of make a transition point going back 24 years? I made that transition going back 24 years. I was, uh, I had interned my, between junior and senior year at a, a nice group of people, but it was a pharmaceutical ad agency. And it was almost as boring as that sounds, putting together uh pamphlets and brochures for irregular bowel syndrome and fun stuff like that. And then didn't know what to do out of college and just went into that. And what I got clear on was I watched where the people who were four levels ahead of me, which I was supposed to be working towards, well, they were, I was working long hours. They were working really long hours and it didn't seem like they were gaining more freedom or buying back their time to be doing stuff they might want to be doing with their family or their hobbies. In fact, they were losing that more and more. And uh, and that was a big aha for me in my path. And so I cut my teeth pretty hard, Sean. Now, in all things said, I, I didn't have a family at the time, so I could starve myself a little bit, which is a, a big factor, I think, in some of this that people need to know. But yeah, I cut hard and I've never really gone back into the, the the corporate America realm at all. I've remained an entrepreneur since then. Got it. And when you made the transition, what kind of real estate did you get into? Was it like single family or were you flipping homes? What were you doing? Yeah, I, I started by doing just a simple model of buying, fixing and, and reselling small single family homes. That was mainly what I did. Um, and once I started to get that down, I started to actually hold a few of the properties as rentals. And then I started to get hired by other people to do that work for them. Um, and that was kind of the uh, the evolution of my business. But I've still now 
Um, I've done thousands of rehabs now in my career, and now I've built thousands of homes. People are like, well, why do you still work in these you know, little properties, single family homes and duplexes and sometimes quads? And I said, well, now I'm just starting to get good at, at it. You know, I guess people always say, well, if you've done that many, you have to go into big commercial buildings and this and that. And I've done a little of that, but I, I've really become comfortable to get to you know, you're, you're a freshman and then you become a senior. I kind of like being in my niche where now there's not a lot, of, there's a lot of second nature, not a lot of overthinking. Um, and it's, it's nice not to be the newbie. And so that's why I've stayed within this niche for so long. And it serves the purpose of time I get with my family, lifestyle I want to live. And so there, I just haven't seen a need to, to go elsewhere. So tell us a little bit more about this build to rent model. Yeah, build to rent was a term that came out about 10 years ago. You know, a lot of people out there have probably heard the or watched the shows. Hey, you find a distressed property, you fix it up and you rent it or you sell it, right? And and Sean, that one sentence right there was what took me from, you know, very, very low financial means to more wealth abundance. You know, I learned how to find an old home, fix it up and either rent it or sell it. That was my whole niche. And it's a good niche. Um, but it's not quite as fun as the TV shows make it out to be, you know, surprises and drama, those, that's not where you want to have it when you're, you know, building a real estate rental portfolio or doing houses, especially if you have a job and you're going to be doing this. And so what we found was after about 2000, almost 10 years ago, past the 2008 meltdown, I've been doing a lot of foreclosures and there just wasn't the deals that we used to find. And my now partner and I, a building partner, we both were doing a lot of these renovations on old houses and we just had this, he actually had the aha and he said, well, what if we could just build our own properties from scratch? I have a building license and said, oh, that's interesting. And so we started to build properties, single family homes, duplexes and quads that could be used for rent for ourselves and for other investors that we used to be hired by them to find old houses, fix them up and then you know get them rented for them and manage them. And so what we started to do many years ago was almost 10 now, let's just do that with new construction. And the reason I did this, Sean, is it's great to own properties. But if I had one lesson that I could impart, I've learned from, it was years ago, it was this thing of being the 100 house club, own 100 houses, your life is set. Well, I got into the 100 house club and way beyond, but I found that it's the quality of the houses you own. Because you can, those can actually stifle your lifestyle. They can actually imprison you if they're not in high quality. They're not producing the rents that you're wanting. So what I learned was I want to own less property of better condition, um, and that's it. So own less of better condition, better quality in better areas. And that's how I work today with myself and my clients. And that's what build to rent is. You can you can avoid a lot of the maintenance and repair headaches. Uh, tenant turnover is less in new construction. You can own properties in better areas, which makes it easier to manage, is safer, uh, and also uh, produces better results overall. So we kind of, it was a mistake that we found Bill Durant, but now saying that being this big rehabber for years, I hung up my rehab shoes about seven years ago. And all I do is new construction now. Hmm. Just looked at both sides and it's it's better for me. It's better for our clients because we don't want guesswork. We don't want surprises. We don't want involvement. In fact, for what we try to do with our clients, we don't want them spending more than a half hour a month looking over their portfolio statements and that. When you have older homes and tougher areas, oh, there's usually a lot more uh, management intensity that you get dragged into. And we don't want that for our clients or for ourselves. Right. Now, when I look at... Uh... 
a build to rent situation, you got to build a, a new property from scratch instead of renovating or making some updates in an existing property. Um, it sounds a little more capital intensive upfront with a build to rent. Is that correct? Actually, it's not. So what we do, Sean, is in some typical things where you think of build to rent, you're going to find a builder, you're going to put up initial money, and then you're going to have to qualify for a construction loan, which is a lot of paperwork, a pain in the tail. When someone buys a build to rent with us, we're taking on the risk phase of the build. The building phase, we take it, you put up a deposit, but that deposit goes towards your down payment. So we are doing the build and they're just stepping in right at the tail end and getting a permanent loan to put on the house and finance it. So we take the risk period of the build on our shoulders. So they just step into a finished new construction product. Uh, and the way that our building works is you can normally, because we're constantly building, we have over 6,000 lots in Florida that we're building out right now. We don't release the properties till they're done or within 90 days of completion. So they're stepping in right at the tail end on a new construction property to be able to buy it without a long wait. I like the idea of less maintenance. That's one thing that talking to a lot of real estate investors on this podcast, that's one issue. You have these older homes and you're you're doing more maintenance, you're getting more calls. And then you're like, why did I get into real estate investing? This is a complete headache. Oh. <laughs> that's that's new what we <laughs> it's, it's like a fresh new car. I'm biased. I drive a Toyota and I like vehicles that'll last you 200,000 miles plus. And you don't have to worry about much. Well, the same thing in your situation, you've got these reliable homes with less maintenance. It's a good way to go. Exactly. My Toyota 4Runner is parked in the driveway right now, Sean. And I love Toyotas and the new construction. When people are real estate, the great thing about real estate is there is a momentum to it. There is a positive snowball effect. Yes, there's going to be periods where there's down times, but if you look at the overall trajectory in any 10-year period, there's been growth. And that's why I've liked real estate. And in certain areas that doesn't seem to be stopping. And if you can get something that's solid, especially right at the beginning, you start to get the wind at your back as cycles continue to you know move forward. And you, it's so much easier with high quality properties that need less maintenance and repairs that have less turnover. And that's what we want. Again, people are like, wow, you own a lot less property than you used to. I said, isn't that a lot less property than I used to, but I have more equity than I ever have. And I have more cash flow than I ever have. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think is really important that the, the build to rent model is showing me. Is that because just to drill in the numbers here, are you, are you making higher profit margins because you can charge more? Well, what happens is I got planted into better properties that have grown now and the rents have grown stronger. The values mm -hmm. have grown. They're in strategically placed, you know, more advantageous areas. And I just got the wind at my back. And when I owned more properties of lower value and more deferred maintenance condition, I was always throwing back into a, okay. a tenant turnover, uh, uh, an unexpressed, uh, unexpected big repair, you know, and it, it was just, it was just a trading back and forth of time, effort and dollars. And yeah, there was some growth, but it seemed like I was paying back into the property so much and the extra intensity of managing that much more property. And yeah, I've just consolidated my portfolio to be better quality, less leverage um, right. and in better condition. Now, do you help people along the route? Because we've got a lot of people listening to this podcast that they're working a full-time job and they're trying to figure out, okay, what can I do to create more freedom in my life, spend more time with my family? I know you're really big on that. I read about you on your site and some of the notes on you is 
a key driver here with what you do is to spend more time with your family, have that freedom. So if somebody's like, hey, I'm in this corporate job, I'm not excited about what I do, can they approach you and you kind of coach them or maybe even help them with uh, the investment process so they can maybe get a hold of one of these properties and create passive income? Yeah, we we have nearly a thousand investors right now and growing weekly. Wow where we're always working with people with just that. They're trying to buy back their time and be able to do the things they want to do. Uh, the, the nice thing about having, I know everyone talks about the corporate job and the corporate grind. I was just explaining mine. You want to look at your situation of where is the silver linings. So the great thing about real estate investing, especially when you team up with a full service real estate company, and there's good ones out there and there's bad ones. So you know, there's you want to do your homework. You want to look at you know, their history, but let's say you get to one and and you, you can work with them. Well, with your corporate job, you can, you have what's called W2 income, which, you know, is great for qualifying for bank loans. Bankers love you yes. more than even, you know, my file with things. It's very straightforward. It's very strong income. So you can start to side hustle into real estate while you're still in the corporate grind. Take advantage of that W-2 that they love to see. You can get great government loans, you know, and, and with the loan programs, we actually do in-house financing where, you know, with those great files, like someone who has a corporate job, they can qualify. We're locking them in at 4.75%, you know, two and a half percent, what normal rates are out there right yeah. now. So that helps with their cash flow. So I always tell people when when you when you get out of your corporate job and you make that leap, the first thing I had to do was replace that income, right? And that can be a little scary. That's why I'm like to have a plan of starting to transition can be really good. And with buying properties, you can save, you can invest, you can save, you can invest, take advantage of being able to qualify for loans because too many times, man, Sean, I saw people quit their job saying they wanted to get into real estate. And they're like, I can't qualify for any loans. And I'm going, gosh, I wish you had talked to me six months earlier. Stay with the job. Let's make out a three-year plan where you're starting to invest and you're getting properties under your belt. You're starting to have assistance cash flow from your portfolio. But that's the advantage where I think people have to look at. Take advantage of your, it's called serviceability. You know, you're able to, to qualify for a loan and good loans, you know, and then you can be having uh, a transitional plan. And that's the nice thing about real estate. You can do it on your own. It's not like you have to go into it full time. I 100% agree. I'm really big on bootstrapping with, for example, my company is a software as a service, a SaaS. We serve the retail investor and pretty much did that for three plus years. Bootstrap, keep a full-time job. It's not glamorous, but don't have to put the burden on the business to pay bills and whatnot. Well, the same thing goes for what you're talking about here is have that three, maybe five-year plan, keep the corporate job, but get things moving on the side, get that first property, then a second property. And, and then when, I know it varies from person to person and how much revenue or profit a property can uh, provide per month, but what is a good benchmark the average investor should go for they should hey i should aim for maybe five properties or 10 properties do you have any kind of number there well the good thing is you know an average property right now can start at a few hundred dollars a month which doesn't sound like much to most people but once you start to add more bricks to your plan it it that can grow quickly because what starts out as a few hundred dollars i've seen this can grow over a short amount of time as rents grow 
to $1,000 a month or more. And so planting the seeds with positive cash flow, starting at even if it's a few hundred dollars a month, and as long as it's in great condition, in a good area, these are things to look at. Because for me, there's ways where I could have gotten a higher cash flow, but I would have had to go into a more marginal area. I had to go with more deferred maintenance or potential for maintenance and repairs, potential for harder tenant management. And I just didn't want to do that. So for me, I'm telling, I always have people start with looking for a few hundred dollars in cash flow, which is going to produce a good cash on cash return, you know, definitely more than they're going to get in, you know, basic bank accounts or anything like that. Uh, and that starts to plant the seed for both value growth and rental growth. And as you have a little bit of patience and wind behind your back in a few short years, you can be in a great position of having this residual. And, you know, we've had people, you know, build this residual up to over $20,000 a month with some patience, reinvestment and continuing to buy properties. Right on. And this is all single family duplexes or, or quads? quads. So yeah. that's residential real estate. Anything that's four units or less is considered residential real estate. Now, the best parts about residential real estate is that's where you can get 30-year loans. You know, you go into commercial, you might get 20 or 25, and that changes the thing. And also, you can get 30-year fixed, where your rate is fixed for 30 years. You know, in commercial, you might only get it fixed for five years. And what if all of a sudden you come out at a time like now on a five-year fix and now you're, you you have to refi at a much higher rate, it can be very dangerous. So residential has always had the best financing where you can get the loans the easiest, you can get the best rates, you can get a 30-year AM. So we only build properties that you're able to get residential financing on. Got it. And all the properties you're building, since you're located in Florida, is everything in Florida or are you looking at other states as well? We're in Florida. Uh, our parent company, which is um, part of our company, was bought a year ago by a group called Sumitomo. Um, Sumitomo is, you know, you've seen Warren Buffett talking about them. They're a conglomerate in, in Japan and they're a 331 year old company. Uh, they're, they're own about 30 builders now in the U S uh, we're one of the part owners that they have, uh, ownership with now. And they're already set up in two, uh, markets we really like, and that's Texas and Tennessee, uh, just for landlord laws and for growth migration patterns we've been seeing, we'd like to go there. But right now we're in about 12 different markets in Florida that we see, you know, great population growth, economic growth. Um, there's good affordability to be able to cash flow the properties. You know, there's there's a supply issue that we're fulfilling. You know, the, the supply and demand is in our favor and they're desirable. People want to live there. They want to move there. And those are kind of the five factors we look for. Uh, and at this time, it'll be Florida. Next steps will be Tennessee and Texas. Awesome. Let's take a quick commercial break. Are you a beginner investor and want to increase your confidence with investing? Ticker EDU is now live, which includes investing courses. The first course is titled Stock Investing for Beginners, which includes over 60 videos that take you through modules, including overcoming myths, the difference between stocks, ETFs, index funds, and mutual funds, investing versus trading, the number one reason why stocks go up and down, knowing when to buy, knowing when to sell, increasing confidence, how to invest your first thousand dollars, and real life examples. It's like looking over my shoulder to see how I buy and sell stocks. Simply go to edu.ticker.com or go to ticker.com and click the courses link at the top of the page. Okay, back to the show. 
And if somebody wants to work with you, are do you kind of work like an investment firm or do you kind of, you're the builder and you kind of give them a roadmap to move forward? We are very focused on education. So when our clients come aboard, you know, one of our sales specialists who's worked with tons of clients and building portfolios, they assess what are you really looking for? What do you have to start with? Do you want to understand more and build to rent? You know, we are video kings. We love doing videos on anything from the markets to interest rates to the flow of why new construction works. What is the difference between a long-term rental and a short-term rental? You know, we really try to educate our clients from our experience. How does management work? You know, what are the fundamentals you look for for building in a certain market? So that way they completely understand. I think it was Warren Buffett you know, you and I were talking before the call, Buffett says, don't invest in anything you don't understand. We try to make it so it's at a fifth grade level because really residential real estate investing can be at a fifth grade level. It doesn't have to be more complicated than that. There's a few moving parts, a few levers to pull. And we try to educate around that uh, and then keep them educated on market updates as they go along. Uh, but the starting point is to figure what are your goals? What are you trying to do? What do you have to work with? What are you wanting to see as a result from this? And then we can work backwards into it. We have a staff of 175. So we do have a good sized team that helps make this all happen. It's not just me and my partner, Chris, team effort to this. Sure. Now, is this education, is this part of like a like a course or a module people have to pay for or is it? No, this is actually, we, we give away our content for free. Um, our model is based around providing good new construction properties and that's, that's our revenue source. And we want to have our people educated as best as possible around build to rent around real estate market updates, interest rates, everything. And, and just our, how did I build my own real estate portfolio to, you know, to produce, you know, up to 40 grand a month in my own cash flow. You know, that's just from my investments you know, we want to share those things so people can follow suit, but that's not part of our our revenue model. Sure. Before we transition to the rapid fire round, I want to ask you a fun question here. I found this in, in some of the notes about you. And that question is, you wanted to create some freedom because you're looking at 18 summers with your children. Can you dive into that a little bit? Yeah. The, uh, a mentor of mine taught me that years ago. He said, you know, you got 18 summers with your kids. And there's a study actually, it shows it's like almost 85% of the average people out there will have be done with the quality time with their children by the end of their 18th summer. You know, it starts to make sense. So, you know, that number just really was a positive haunting for me of saying time passes. We don't want to miss out on this time. So actually, my wife and I have a family education company called 18 Summers, along with a book that actually was a Wall Street Journal bestseller. And it talks about how do you make the most of those 18 summers? Because a lot of business mentors out there many years ago used to teach, put your head down for the next 10 years, your family will understand. I think that is horrific information. I think that's terrible coaching. Yes. You, so you and I agree wholeheartedly because those years don't come back. Um, a mentor and friend of mine, David Bach, who's nine-time bestselling, New York Times bestseller, he always said to me, Jim, the years are not all equal. And that always stuck with me. So 18 summers is about do the math. You might have a nine-year-old right now, but when you look at it in the terms of 18 summers to really make that impact, you're like, wait a minute, I'm already halfway through. Mm-hmm. I only have nine summers left. And, uh, you know, since I have this range of children now from two to 20, you know, I have five kids, you know, I've been able to see quite a gamut. And uh, and these years are fleeting. 
And I think it's really important to make sure, you know, there's success in business and success at home at the same time. Yes. And, and that's what 18 Summers was for me is keeping it on the forefront, keeping that that rhythm of both, of being successful in both. And it's not about, well, I'll get back to family in a few years, or once I reach this benchmark, then I will. It's a very sad strategy that I've seen play out bad for so many people. Yeah. Work smarter, not harder. Yes. I, yeah. And and taking quality time with your family is not something you should ever feel guilty about. Yeah. It's something that you're working towards. You should take it. You should enjoy it. And I find that people that do, they might get more done in five hours than the average person does in nine hours because they're going to be really effective with working out. They're going to be rejuvenated. Um, I think that's how I work. You know, I am mm-hmm. I am far from an, a workaholic now. I do work, uh, but I spend a lot of time with my family as well. That's great. I, you're speaking to my audience as well as myself. We want that freedom, balance in life. This whole hustle culture is a bunch of BS. I buck the system on that all day. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's for me, Sean, a legendary family life. That's, you know, when I started really starting to put out, we have a new book, my wife and I coming out of called The Passive Income Playbook. It's about buying back your time and having a legendary family life. And for me, all legendary family life meant was all the things I dreamed about or wanted to do as a kid and we couldn't do because we didn't have the money. I wanted to be able to still do. And then I lost my father two years ago and he always struggled with money. And I said, all the things dad wanted to do that he didn't get to do, I want to keep, I want to fulfill that. I want to do those things because we had a lot of crossover and I feel honored. I can do the stuff he couldn't. But for me, that's a legendary family life. I mean, doing the things you don't give up on the things you dreamed of as a kid and the things that maybe the people before you couldn't do, you can live out. Thank you for your background here and how investors can approach you and maybe get involved with the process. But what I'd like to do next is dive into the rapid fire round. This is the part of the episode where we get to find out who Jim really is. Uh I know, I know pressure's on. If you can (laughs) try to answer each question in about 15 seconds or less. You ready? Ready. All right. So what is your favorite podcast? Favorite podcast? I mean, this, I don't want to be self-serving. One of my favorites is the one I do with my wife. We have the 18 Summers Family Podcast. Um, I really enjoy that. And I'm a Joe Rogan fan. Big Joe Rogan. Fan. Okay. All right. What is a recent book you read and would recommend? You know, uh, recently with my boys, I read The Alchemist. I love The Alchemist. It's a great book. I've read it a few times. I just had a podcast right before this. They recommended the same book. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, great story for him. Good personal development. I highly recommend it. I love it. Love it. All right. Movie question. What is your favorite movie? Shawshank Redemption. Good choice. There's a few others that selected. See, we know a little bit more about Jim here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. A few business questions. What is the worst advice you ever received? I said it before, uh, put your head down for the next five to 10 yeah. years, your family will understand. All right. Flip that equation. What is the best advice you ever received? The best advice I ever received was was really from mentors like I talked about before, where, you know, oh, wait, it was a hard time for me. I almost went bankrupt, you know, in that meltdown because I had so many properties, so much maintenance repairs. And it was that aha of own less property of better quality with less leverage. It was yeah. that simple. And that's been the best advice I've had for my own business career. Awesome. Did you come to that revelation yourself or did somebody else tell you that? It was partially self and it was partially coached. It was okay. it was revealed to me when going, what could I have done differently where 08 didn't have to be so painful 
you know, so detrimental, so scary. And, um, and, and the writing was on the wall from self-reflection and also input from some really good mentors. That's good. I, I like hearing about inflection points in people's lives. It's, it's a painful moment. You know, we can all hit with our business or life and you almost have to take a step back and, okay, what do I need to change? I know change is not easy. And sometimes you gotta arrive there yourself. And sometimes it's just one person in your circle that says something and it's like, ah, I got to make this move. I got to do this, you know? So it's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, very much so. All right, last question here is a time machine question. If you could go back in time to give your younger self advice, what age would you visit and what would you say? I'd probably go back to about 18 and I would I would tell myself, find forms of alternative education. Because for me, honestly, college was, I love the friends I made. It was a total waste education-wise. I became a good student once I didn't get grades and I didn't have to learn syllabus question, you know, all these classes that weren't really going to help me with my career. But once I was able to really dive into, well, how does money work? You know, what are some niches that can help me make money? How do I develop, you know, what is personal development? You know, how do I develop better relationships? These are things I had to find outside of normal education. So I wish I had started a little earlier. I started to come into that stuff right at the end of college. I wish I had found it like probably even maybe my 15-year-old self, I would have said, start studying these things now. Mm-hmm. You talk about the frustration of school. I, I can relate. It's, uh, yeah, you were you were born to be an entrepreneur. That's for sure. Yeah. Cool. All right, Jim, where can the audience reach you? Yeah, if they want to learn more about our Build to Rent program, how we bought back our time and uh, did it through Build to Rent, they can go to jjplaybook.com. That kind of talks about our principles and fundamentals of real estate investing, the lessons we've learned and how they can work with us and how we've kind of expanded that into our family life. Uh, Also, if they want to learn about 18 Summers, more of our passion project education company, they can go to 18summers.com. Awesome. All right, Jim, thank you so much for your time. We'll see you. Thanks, Sean. Hey, I'd like to say thank you for checking out this podcast. I know there's a lot of other podcasts you could be listening to, so thanks for spending some time with me. Also, if you have a moment, could you please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review? The more reviews we get, the more Apple will share this podcast with the world. So thanks for doing that. And last thing, if you do hear any stocks mentioned on this podcast, please keep in mind, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Please do not make a buy or sell decision based solely on what you hear. All right. Thanks for your time. We'll talk to you later. See ya.